Hey there, hustlers, and welcome to another episode of the Corporate Side Hustler Podcast. In today's episode, we're talking about Airbnbs as your side gig, and specifically what it takes to be a great host and how to make a solid side income running your Airbnb. Our guest speaker today is my former client turned good friend, Diana. Now, Diana is an Airbnb super host for the Rockridge Casita in Oakland, California. She's been hosting her Airbnb for over, get this, 10 years, and she's been featured in the Sun Magazine, the San Francisco Chronicle, Apartment Therapy, and more. She loves giving her guests tips on how to explore the San Francisco Bay and loves helping other Airbnb hosts to become super hosts. Her family includes two little ones and a friendly golden retriever. And Diana is also working a full-time day job, so she gets what it's like doing all these things while hosting her Rockridge Casita on the side. She was an early Airbnb enthusiast as she traveled to over 25 five countries, staying as a guest in farm stays, top hotels, and funky little Airbnbs. When she's not hosting, she's gardening, cooking, hiking, and cleaning up after a crazy day with the dog and kids. Let's hear from Diana. Hey, Diana, and welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I am excited. I think this is such a great topic for so many reasons, for people that are in this space for people that want to be in this space and for people that just travel and they're like, oh, I'm just intrigued by all the kind of nuances that go behind uh, running an Airbnb. So I shared a little bit already about who you are based off your bio, but I would love for my listeners to hear it from your lips. So share a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So I'm here in Oakland, California, and I'm from Southern California originally. But uh, let's see, we've been hosting for 10 years. I first heard about Airbnb when I was living in San Francisco, and I started using it for travel when it wasn't a very popular thing to do, but it was just so much fun to meet other people. And it was more when it started, it was really about people sharing their homes and sharing their spaces inside of their homes with them. So I went to Madrid and Barcelona and stayed with people in their apartments and shared their kitchens and and got to meet other travelers. And I decided I would do it in my small apartment in San Francisco. So we shared our little two-bedroom apartment with guests and would share our bathroom and kitchen with them. And we made some really great connections. And then, so I was living in San Francisco when I met my husband. We bought a small house in Rockridge, which is in North Oakland, about two miles from the UC Berkeley campus. And it's a very typical house in our neighborhood. A lot of the houses are pretty small. They're about 100 years old. And they are often, you know, two, maybe three bedroom and one bathroom. And they're little craftsman houses. And we bought this little house before we had kids. And we realized after, so we hosted some Airbnb guests in our home and and shared it with them. But we realized as we uh, had kids, we realized we were going to quickly outgrow our house and not be able to do Airbnb hosting anymore. So we built this little casita in our backyard where it was a falling down cinder block garage that was pretty disgusting. And we knocked it down and we built a little tiny studio which became our guest room for our family and also the space where we could continue our Airbnb hosting. I also 
have a full-time job. I work in philanthropy. I've done grassroots organizing for a long time and have worked for a variety of nonprofits. And I also have, so my two kids now are six and a half and almost five. And my husband and our darling golden retriever, who's 12 years old, who helps us to greet guests. And so I'm very busy, but I love that we can do hosting on the side. It's been a great side income for the past 10 years. And also hosting allowed us to pay back the money that we borrowed in order to build this little casita. So within a couple of years, we made back the money that we spent to build it. First of all, congratulations, because that's a big, that's a victory in itself. And I've heard this story before, but each time that I do hear it, I find myself just smiling because of the fact that it's such a cool thing where you're like, hey, let's just do it. And it was a studio, then it was something for your family to stay into. And then it was a, no, we're going to continue the Airbnb. And I love watching your family. Like, I feel like your family is truly an extension of the Airbnb rental. Like when I see your dog on there and like greeting people and all that, like it just makes it feel like home. And that's like, I think the cool thing about staying at Airbnb it should feel like a place it should feel like home away from home that's what I think too and I think that that's that's really getting at the heart of what what Airbnb how it how it started and really the essence of Airbnb I think is about meeting people and about having a space even if it's not something some space where you're sharing it with other other hosts but it's it's its own space it's about being in a home. And if you want an, an anonymous, totally blank slate experience, you'd stay in a hotel where, you know, you're not going to get that feeling of home. But I love that we get to meet some of our guests or, or wave to them, or even if we're not there, we just are able to give them our here's the the one cafe you've got to go to in our neighborhood or give them a few recommendations about a hike that they can do. And it adds that personal experience for folks that I really think is why Airbnb has become so popular. It's such a nicer way to travel in so many communities where you're getting a sense of what it's like to live there. You're not just staying in a hotel downtown, but you're staying in a neighborhood, you're getting those personal recommendations from your host and you're getting things like our guests get to stay in our garden or they get to meet our our dog when she comes out to greet them. So those personal touches and those feelings of being in a neighborhood, I think are why Airbnb has been so successful. Couldn't agree more because one of the things that you just shared that makes me it's why we want to only stay in Airbnb when we travel is that like special touch where I've yet to go into an Airbnb where there isn't this nice little booklets like that says, here are some of the local restaurants to try, or here's some great places that you should check out. And I feel like when you go to a hotel, it's a very like, Oh, there's a Domino's pizza down the road, or there's a Starbucks around the corner where the Airbnb is giving you more of that friendly touch of like, Hey, here are the top recommendations I would send you to. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. then I think it's also about the amenities that you're getting, especially as you travel with a family, you're getting to choose a place that can really fit your needs. So maybe you're you're looking for a place where they're going to have some great restaurant recommendations, but also you might be looking for a place that has a kitchen or that has a backyard for your kids to run around or 
um, a, a laundry machine, which has been essential <laughs> and a big reason why I choose to stay in Airbnbs when I travel with my kids. The one time that we stayed in a hotel in the past six years, we had one of our kids got really sick and it was just like, oh, I wish yeah. I had a laundry machine. <laughs> right. Just to help out with all that. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. So I know that you have some really great tips for us um, to really explore what it feels like to run a great Airbnb. But let's first kick it off with a couple like logistical things. So before someone's going to invest in rental property, why, why is it important to understand the local regulations for that area? Different cities have been regulating Airbnb differently, and so it's important to understand what are the local laws that have been passed. You know, as Airbnb grew, it started to impact a couple things. It started to impact um, hotels, and they're in some places, like in New York or in San Francisco, um, hotels lobbied to make sure that there were regulations um, to protect them. And then also, there's a concern that Airbnb impacts the long-term rental stock. And so cities wanted to protect housing for long-term renters. And so laws have been passed that really vary from city to city. And in some cities, there's a maximum number of nights that you can host per month or per year. In some cities, like here in Oakland, we have to register with the city and make sure that you're paying a local um, tax. And so you just need, I can't tell you exactly what it's like in your city, but you just need to figure out um, what are the local regulations for short-term rentals and for Airbnb. Okay. That is really good to know. Um, and then what about, I know that you're big on really ensuring that when you're considering this as a financial investment, to really weigh out certain costs. Can you break that down for us? Yes. So I'm not the expert when it comes to property investing. My, I'm lucky that my, my husband is better with the financing <laughs> on that stuff. But yep. I know that whenever we, we were thinking about it, it's really about thinking about not just the cost of building or the cost of investing, but the ongoing costs, the fixed costs that happen on a regular basis. And so those are things like insurance, because it's different when it's not just your home, but when you are renting to someone else, it brings in a whole new element that you need to insure. And, um, and so there are specific companies that uh, just focus on short-term rental insurance. There's cleaning. So you need to consider whether are you going to do all of the cleaning yourself or are you going to hire somebody and how much does that cost? And other costs in our you know, taxes, cleaning supplies, um, upgrades like touch-up paint or hiring the plumber or hiring uh, the HVAC guy to come fix the, the heater. So all of those costs need to be considered as just part of um, making a decision about whether it's worth it for you. Thank you for that and like breaking that down. And I think with all of this, this is just Diana helping like scratch the surface so that way you guys know exactly where to start searching. And I think this is super helpful. And for me, what's always, I've always been like a little curious. And I don't know why I haven't asked you this before. What's the difference between being labeled a host versus a super host? That's a great question. So super host is like a badge in the system. And it is a status that you automatically get so long as you are meeting a few 
requirements and then maintaining those as a host. So first, you need to have an average review of 4.8 stars or higher, and you need to maintain that. And then the second is that you need to have very few, I think it's, it might be zero, it could be basically zero cancellations. Um, there, there are exceptions and they call it extenuating circumstances where if there's a situation, you can call Airbnb and explain why you had to cancel. Maybe there was a miscommunication with the guest or with the calendar and they will give you a little bit of grace. But basically, as a host, we're not supposed to cancel on guests. And that means keeping your calendar really up to date and making sure that it's up to date so that no cancellations need to happen. So keeping a high average reviews, keeping um, zero cancellations, and then also having a certain number of bookings under your belt, um, which is pretty easy to achieve. And so, so long as you're hosting regularly, you're keeping up very good reviews and you're not canceling, you'll automatically, they review hosts every quarter and you'll automatically every quarter get that badge again. Okay. So a little funny sidebar, when you and I were working together, I know that was like a part of like your thing, like you're an Airbnb super host. And I never asked you what it was, but when we were traveling around that time, whenever we would look for something, I was like, well, Jay, they're not a super host. He's like, do you even know what that means? I go, no, but I know that Diana runs a really good place. <laughs> they're not a super host. We're not staying there. So <laughs> you breaking that down makes me really grateful, for, especially for those who probably don't even know the difference that are thinking about this, because then I realized that it could just be those issues and it gets reevaluated. You said every quarter? Every quarter. And so if they're not a super host, they could be a new host and they could be a wonderful brand new host, but right. I can, you can tell a lot by reading the reviews. Um, or they could be, maybe they're not a new host, but they're a host who really only rents out their home once a year when they go on a big trip or something. So they're not hosting enough to maintain that super host status. So I wouldn't totally write off hosts who are not super hosts, but then I would re read the reviews more carefully. And I think having the super host badge just gives you that extra extra little guarantee that someone's really keeping up their reviews and paying attention to the guest experience. Agreed. That's why like I'm giggling over here. Cause I was like, man, I was a hard, I was a hard critic there because in reality, there's a lot more factors that go into it. So now that I know this, <laughs> I will focus more on the review section. So I appreciate you yeah. breaking that down for us. Sure. Okay. So I know that when it comes to running a great Airbnb, you would agree that there are three specific areas in order to do this well, and it's home styling, housekeeping, and hospitality. Would you tell us a bit more about the home styling piece? Yes. So I think that even if you're doing everything else right, first, you've got to attract guests to your listing and really give them a great experience by having a, a well-designed and well-styled home. So that really means designing a space with your guest in mind. As you look through Airbnb listings, you probably notice there are properties where someone just kind of stuffed the room with extra furniture that they didn't know what to do with in their own house. Or they, they really just like wanted to increase the number of people that they could say could stay in the space. So they added an extra futon or two here in the corners. And you can tell when they, on the flip side, you can tell when they really designed a space to create an ideal guest experience. So to me, that means 
really investing and splurging on a few key pieces. So things like having a great new mattress, not just chucking an old mattress into the into your Airbnb rental, but investing in a really good mattress and a really good sofa. Those and and making sure that some of those centerpiece pieces of furniture are high quality and feel new and clean. And then also just ensuring that you have all the essentials that a guest would need. So thinking about how a guest will use your space. Where are they going to unpack their suitcase? Where are they going to make a cup of coffee? Maybe there's a bed and a chair, but where are they going to pull out their laptop and do some work? And are you ensuring that that spot has very strong Wi-Fi? So really thinking about how is a guest going to use your space and are they set up to do that? What more can you do to get, get your space set up so that they really can relax and feel at home? Um, and then I also think it's just about exceeding expectations. So a well-designed home is a place where you can move about without bumping into things. You have space and you also feel like you're in a beautiful space, hopefully that's inspiring you. Um, so that means I see also a lot of listings online that are very blank and that feel like you could be anywhere. And I think that it's important to really ground a space in the place that you're in and for hosts to share their personality and their personal style in a space. So that doesn't mean that I'm not suggesting that folks need to like copy my style but that you really tap into what you as a host love. So maybe that means having a really colorful art-filled home, or maybe it's like tons of plants, or maybe it's you're in a mountain cabin and you want it to feel, um, you want folks to be reminded that they're in the mountains. So you have some great photographs of mountains and you decorate the space in a way that really grounds it in the place. I think that it's not that hard and it's not that expensive to make a home beautiful and to add personality and style. So I often recommend that folks splurge on those key pieces like like the bed or like a great chair or sofa to, to relax in. But then you can find art on Craigslist and in thrift stores. And I personally just love Etsy and finding Etsy sellers that I like um, in order to decorate. So I like everything that you were saying with this, like I was nodding my head yes to that. I feel like as someone that goes to, a, you know, will book an Airbnb pretty often pre COVID that having a good mattress and a good couch is key because those are typically where you spend most of your time. You're resting and you're hanging out on the couch while you're spending that family time. Um, but what I also loved is that you're talking about creating something that is also inviting that doesn't have to copy someone else's style, but what's the style that you're looking for and making that presentable because I'm definitely the person that's swiping through all of the images thinking, can I see myself making breakfast in that kitchen? Can I see my family hanging out in that living room? And it, having that visual connection allows me to also be like, yep, this is going to be the location that we're booking before I even look at the price. Yes. And I think it's important for hosts to think about who is coming to stay, who are your ideal guests. And ideal guests are really different in each place. For us, we get a lot of people who are grandparents who are visiting their grandkids in the neighborhood 
And so we, I actually had my parents help out with some of the decor decisions that we made um, because they stay here a lot. They wanted a lot of different pillows because my dad likes feather and my mom likes foam. So I have like four different kinds of pillows to choose from and extras in the closet. That's amazing. <laughs> and then also there are places where people are going to enjoy mountain sports or they're coming to go to the beach or they're coming because they're there to work. So thinking about why are people coming to your place? What is your audience? And how can you help them do what they want to do? So maybe that's about providing beach towels or providing a bike, or maybe it's about um, thinking about how are they quickly, you know, giving them a map so they can get to the train and get downtown quickly. So just really thinking about how do you add amenities that will help them do what they want to do while they're there. I like it. I like it. All right, let's dive into area number two, housekeeping. Yes. So Again, you can get home styling right, but if you don't get housekeeping right, you will not be getting good reviews and return guests. And especially, I should say, I can't even go through all of the guidelines about COVID cleaning. It's on the Airbnb website. But especially during COVID, guests care even more about cleanliness. And so Cleanliness means a few different things. First, it's about cleaning, actually putting things away, dusting, doing laundry. I recommend that hosts keep at least two, if not three sets of linens for each bed so that laundry doesn't slow down your turnover process. And all of the things that go into cleaning, wiping surfaces, and then separately disinfecting. So that's the thing that Airbnb has really emphasized during COVID is that there's a difference between cleaning and disinfecting. And you need to clean first and then disinfect. And then you also need to be washing every piece of bedding. So that means washing any blankets that are out or any duvet cover. Uh, I think in the past, hotels were notorious for not washing that blanket or duvet cover. And we've always, even before COVID, washed everything just to make sure it's super clean. And we keep three duvet covers so that we don't have to wait for that to be done in the dryer before we can be finished with the turnover. And then I just think it's also about really looking at your space and thinking about what are the deep cleaning tasks that you need to do, maybe not every single time, but you need to keep a checklist of what your space needs, perhaps on a monthly or even a seasonal basis. So maybe that's washing the outdoor furniture, or it's washing all the windows of the exterior, or maybe it's the lighting fixtures or really um, cleaning underneath the sink. So thinking about what are all of those deep cleaning tasks and how often do you need to do them? We have one space in our little casita where people put their suitcase down and we always get marks on the wall. And I don't think it's any fault of the guest. It's just the suitcase opens and it marks the wall. So I'm always using my little magic eraser to clean that part of the wall. So when you're doing those deep cleaning tasks, you'll notice, hey, I think I actually need to do some touch-up paint over here on the baseboard. And guests really do notice when this the space is totally immaculate. And I always say this, but really just like one hair will ruin the whole uh, image that the guest has about how clean the space is. 
I'm sure. I'm sure. And as someone that appreciates a good checklist, I think that's what keeps things organized. I think that's how you can add to it as things come up. Cause you may not know all the things that you need to do to your point on a monthly basis or quarterly basis and things that nature. But if you start with the list and add to it, it keeps you in the space of truly ensuring that you're creating that cleanliness and you're making sure that people feel good when they walk in and hoping to remove any opportunities for that one strand of hair to be there. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, and then I would also just mention that, so we have a house cleaner and a lot of short-term rental hosts hire cleaners and that even if you have a house cleaner, I think it's still important for you, the host to know what what the whole process of cleaning is and have that checklist and train that person properly and check in with them and communicate regularly to make sure that everything's getting cleaned to your standards. And so I think that hiring the right person or the right team to do cleaning is so important because depending on how often you host, you may need a cleaning team who has a lot of flexibility. We tend to get a lot of last minute bookings or changes in our calendar, um, especially during COVID. And so I am very lucky that we have someone who is able, she's very flexible and she's able to say, yes, I can clean tomorrow. And if she's not, then I can do it because I work from home. So I think it's important to think about if you're thinking about hosting, who is going to do the cleaning or if you're hiring somebody, can you find somebody who is flexible? Or how much time do you need in advance of a booking? And Airbnb actually lets you set that in your booking settings. You can set it so that somebody can't make a booking the same day or even one day that you need a couple days in advance um, in order to schedule your cleaning team. Uh, and then the other thing I want to mention is that it's super important to pay house cleaners a living wage. And I've worked with an organization locally called Hand in Hand. There are a number of organizations around the country where you can just Google what is a living wage, and it may be different where you are, but domestic workers across the country are underpaid. And it's important as a host to be conscious of that and to pay people fairly. So in our listing, we communicate that. We let guests know that the entire cleaning fee is going 100% to our cleaner. Oh, that's awesome. That is really good to hear. And I love how you were able to tie that in just from an intentionality piece. Um, and yeah, just thank you for that. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up with the third area, hospitality. Yeah. So um, I think that homestyling is important. Housekeeping is important, but really the for me, the joy of Airbnb hosting is the, the hospitality piece. And I think that's really what separates Airbnb from a hotel is the connection that you build with guests. And really that hospitality is about making everybody feel welcome, making everybody feel like they can relax and be at home in your home. And so this has also been something that um, folks have asked me, how do you build real connection during COVID? And I think that even if you're hosting remotely, like you're not at the location, it's not your own home, you can build connection by addressing your guest by name in your text and emails, acknowledging why they're coming, finding out why they're coming, and then creating an experience that matches that. So I often write a handwritten note to welcome our guests. Um, and if they're here for certain 
reasons, like they're going out for a birthday celebration, I'll make a few restaurant suggestions or tell them, you know, you can get takeout at these three wonderful restaurants in our neighborhood that I highly recommend for birthdays. And here's a tablecloth to set up your birthday celebration in our backyard and some wine glasses. So giving them some extras um, to really cater to their specific experience. And the excellence, I think, is in the details. It's really, what are the what are the little details that you're offering that exceed their expectations? So we offer white robes and towels, and we surprise our guests with flowers when they're celebrating a special occasion. We leave handwritten notes. We, we also communicate quite often, but not too much. I think there's a balance you have to strike. Sure. So we, we um, let folks we let folks check in and then we send a little, Hey, we just wanted to check in and see if you have everything you need. Um, so it's not over the top communicating too much, but just making sure that they know that we're thinking about them and we care about their experience and want to want to get feedback and want to know if they need anything. So we, we really respect their space, but we also just let them know that we're here and that we're, we're really here for anything they need. So I'm glad that we're ending it on that one. And the reason being is it does go such a long way from a hospitality standpoint, because we went to Virginia for Christmas last year, and it was our first time doing the holidays with Gigi. It was the first time doing the holidays as a family, quote unquote. And I shared that little note in uh, the little comment section. And when we arrived at the Airbnb, the host actually left a note for us that said, hey, we know how special it is to enjoy the holidays with little ones, but especially for the first time. And they left a game that was something that was like a traditional thing that they did with their family. And I literally... I am an emotional person anyway. Like I cry at every commercial, but I, I cried because I was like, so genuinely like these people are so nice. Like I, I feel connected. And if I come back to Virginia, I'm, I'm coming back here. Like I want to come back here because of how they made me feel so welcomed and knowing how important it was for me and our family to make that event special. So everything you're saying, I think just a hundred percent. Yes. On my end. That's so sweet. And I, I also think you think about, did that take that person a huge amount of effort? No, it was just a small thing, but it was personal. And I think, especially this year, people are really craving that connection. And hosts don't have to go way out of their way, but just doing those little things that that help people feel welcome and really that are personal. It Agreed. goes a long way with improving the guest experience and then you're probably likely to go back again or to recommend it to a friend and also to give them a good review. So um, I love that story. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's definitely special. Um, well, you've given us, Diana, so much good information uh, from regulations to our city regulations, the state regulations, to what you should be really thinking about from a financial investment to the three areas to focus on. I know that my listeners are eager to figure out how they can be either connected with you or what's in store for you and Rockridge Casita. Can you share a little bit about that? Yes. So I have been 
designing a course that I'm going to launch in a, in a month or two. I've been writing it and it's about, it's really geared for Airbnb hosts who want to elevate their hosting. So want to elevate their spaces and their hosting practices to make hosting easier. So giving them some systems and templates and checklists to help them um, really make hosting more joyful for them. And it's, but it's also for people who are interested in hosting and want to get started. So um, that will be called Elevate Your Airbnb, and I'll be doing that in a few months. And I'm on Instagram. I spend too much time there, but I also host a hashtag called the Host Collaborative, and it's a community. So all you have to do is use the host collaborative hashtag and follow it. And it's a community of Airbnb hosts just sharing stories and tips with each other. And it's been a wonderful way to build connections with other hosts. And so I love spreading the joy of Airbnb hosting. And feel free to ask me any questions that you have if you're on Instagram. And we are at Rockridge Casita. All right. I will make sure that all of those links are in the show notes below. And Diana means it. If you slide into her DMs with a question, she is going to be there to answer it. If she doesn't know the answer, she'll point you in the right direction. Uh, Please get connected with her. And Diana, we would love from a would you rather here, would you rather go back in the past and meet your ancestors or go in the future and meet your great, great grandchildren? I would love to go back in the past and meet my ancestors. Ooh, okay. I, my husband's, oh, sorry, my, um, yeah, I mean, I also would like to meet my husband's family, but they were all from Italy, but my family was all from Poland and Russia. And apparently I have grandparents or great grandparents who ran a bakery in Warsaw. And I never got to hear a lot about them, but I would love to have gone to that bakery and see what it was all about. I love that answer. That makes me so happy. And I appreciate you sharing that. And I appreciate you sharing all the goodness that comes with running an Airbnb. So we people that are interested in this can get started. So thanks for being with us today, Diana. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, here's what I want you to do. Take a quick screenshot of you listening to the Corporate Side Hustler podcast and upload the image to your Instagram stories and tag me in it at the Corporate Side Hustler. I would love to hear from you and connect with you on Instagram. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you the same time next week. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day. Bye for now.